0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time of year, the new year, the first episode of 2017 Game Dev Unchained Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Charles, and I brought with us this week the two-time taste test champion, Mr. Brandon Fan.
1: Yum yum, Larry. Thank you for <laughs> introducing me. This is Brandon Fan. Welcome to this week's episode. And also welcome our special guest this week, Glenn Powell. What's up, Glenn? Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's welcome, a welcome.
0: Pleasure to be here on your first episode of the year. Yes, man. This is uh, the first and best episode of 2017. Just so you know, <laughs> <laughs> we have not done better
1: than this one right here. It's yep. Just hold on hold to that. On. <laughs> <laughs> so, Glenn, uh, of course, we work together at Section Studios, but I am curious about your resume and everything <laughs> about you. And so this is the portion where we kind of ask, you know, let the people know what's up and how you're doing.
0: Sure, yeah, take sure. us through your career up until section.
2: All right. Uh, I feel like I'm on an interview. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I kind of got into the games industry, I'd say, uh, about 10 years ago back in the PlayStation 2, birthing into the uh, PlayStation 3 uh, era. And um just started out at some small studios, nothing really of note. Uh, you know, worked on some games that you've maybe heard of but never played, like Godfather PSP or Wayne Gretzky Hockey, stuff like that. Um, it uh, it was a good experience to kind of immediately jump into the the console game uh, you know development cycle. Uh, it, it kind of it, it burned me out fast, <laughs> which was a really it was a learning experience. Um, I kind of you know they they took me right out of college essentially and uh you know just kind of worked me to the bone and taught me a lot but um they, they knew they could kind of like get away with that uh, so they me and a couple other guys just worked ridiculous hours you know made some cool stuff uh, launched some games which is good um and then eventually i was like this i can't keep this up so i i actually left games after that um for I don't know, how about three years, four years, maybe. Uh, And I did a bunch of other stuff. I did some mobile development, um, some like streaming, streaming audio video for mobile. Uh, I did some websites. I did some um, various other applications. uh, Went to Berlin for a while. Um, So just kind of ran around doing a bunch of stuff. And then eventually said, you know what? I kind of miss games. Uh, I kind of want to get back into it. I was in Berlin at the time, and there was nothing in Berlin that was really able to give me uh, enough of an of a industry to work in, so that wasn't the reason, but eventually then I moved back and said, okay, now I'll, I'll look to get into games again, and uh, and that's when I really started getting into the indie game scene. I kind of didn't want to go back into the, the AAA scene, so I said, okay, I'm going to get into the indie scene, so I started working for a bunch of little studios, little mobile studios. Um, made some some cool little games nothing really you know took off but
1: uh
2: learned a lot met a little a lot of cool people um and and have kind of been jumping leapfrogging really from indie studio to indie studio for a while um some of them have, have had more success than others uh i worked at dynamite e, which launched counter spy on the uh, playstation 3 yeah. uh, and playstation 4 and ios uh, last year the year before i think last year um so yeah, you know, not not huge success, but at least whenever you launch a game, that's <laughs> that's a success in and of itself.
0: The um, first success is just getting it out the door.
2: Yes, it really is. Um, I guess that would be my first point uh, on this podcast. Is <laughs> anyone looking to get into indie games in general but also just all games is you know the the, the likelihood of a game getting cancelled is far greater than most people think uh, you just don't you don't hear about the games that got cancelled so that's why you can't you know you never really know um, but uh, but yeah so then after that I kind of jumped around a little bit more and then uh, moved down to Southern California and that's when I really found a section which is uh, you know where, where I am now so yeah uh, you know just kind of Grew up, you know. I, I had my first computer when I was about somewhere around 10. Uh, played, you know, all the old Apple II GS, Apple IIe, uh, you know, the green and black screen yeah, games, <laughs> the Oregon Trail
0: games, yes, and exactly. all that stuff. Yeah, Winter Olympics. Winter Olympics. Uh, Load Runner. Did you ever play Load Runner? Load Runner was great. I actually made made a version of Load
2: Runner. There we go. See, in in MS Basic, that was one of my first games that I made on my own.
0: Oh, Um, nice. How old were you when you did that? I was probably like 14 or 15. Um, Damn, that's pretty
2: good. uh, I I taught myself at like 13 to to program in, in Basic, and I started making like, you know, asteroids and a bunch of like simple little games. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah I knew immediately that I wanted to do this kind of stuff I I you know most of what i've learned in my whole career has been stuff that i've taught myself and i guess that's that's really it's it's sad to say like school's worthless <laughs> but it kind of is and, and even even workplace uh, education which is really important as well is not as important as teaching yourself like I, I i go home and i just like read stuff and i just i love to just like learn about all the cool new stuff people are doing mm-hmm. and i feel like that's really helped me in my career and also just in my, you know, personal passion and, and enjoyment of, of the, you know, what I do. So uh, got
0: to have that. Yeah, it, it helps, man. Um, you know, even if, you know, uh, damn, I shouldn't say it like this, but Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time, played for the Chicago Bills, worked very, very hard on the court with the team. And when he went home, still found time to play basketball with his sons or, you know, to increase his enjoyment for the game in other ways. So I'm not saying that, Glenn, you're the Michael Jordan of programming. I'm just using the reference to kind of support the argument that even the person who is the very best at what he does, who had to work incredibly hard to get to that point, still goes home and kind of, like, furthers or tinkers, you know, or tries to elevate his game in other ways. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I always felt like the workplace has always been... Yeah, you certainly learn on the job, especially when you're beginning, just more of the process than the techniques. And uh, after that, it becomes more like a performance, Mm -hmm. right? And all your practice is is at home. So, And that's the kind of like the pitfalls and the gaps that a lot of developers fall into. They get used to performing at a certain rhythm. And then when they're expected to learn the new techniques, learn the latest trends, they fall apart and just the industry kind of kind of leapfrogs them in, in some way so
0: and like i think brandon you could also attest to the same thing right so like as a, a character artist environment artist anybody who does art right let's say you're working on a game uh you're doing call of duty you're doing madden or you're doing nba or something that has like a consistent kind of art style and approach when do you get the time to say like <laughs> On a dragon today. I want to work on something that's going to actually feed my creative needs, right? If you are doing anything other than, you know, NBA jerseys or grass on the fields, you're kind of not getting an opportunity to expand in those areas unless you're going home to do it on your own time or pushing it on your lunch hour or whenever, right? So, like, I feel like some of the opportunities that people overlook is like, I do this for a living, so I make games, but you can kind of stagnate yourself or your skill set if you're just doing what your 9-to-5 version of that art. You're not finding the time to push your own creative interests.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of the time, is, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a lot more true as an indie developer, too, uh, yeah, yeah. to, to uh, hone in your skills and be able to keep up with the trends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's easier for a AAA artist to uh or a programmer or whatever kind of just try for the first month or two to learn the new techniques and process that we're implementing into this game mm-hmm. but after that you're just rinsing and repeating like you're not really learning a lot of the levels that we were done has been like a year plus like you're working on the same thing six months to a year and it's not like you're rediscovering how to texture dirt or, or mm-hmm. something yeah, like yeah, that exactly. right so triple I think uh, a lot of developers fall into that trap more than indie developers i think indie developers tend to tinker more because uh their job calls for it too because they're wearing multiple hats and the the type of atmosphere is it's kind of like self motivating too in a way you're, you're in a team of four in our case we we're bigger than four, but it's still a lot of, you know, we're, we're doing multiple roles. So it, it pushes us skill-wise to, to keep up with things and try new things. And we're encouraged to do so. So,
2: yeah, I think in the indie, like you're saying, I mean, like our team was around 40 people and that's still indie to me. Oh, but, well, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in teams of anywhere from, you know, one to 40 people you are not only having to wear a bunch of hats and like essentially solve problems all day long which is exhausting but also thrilling because you're you know you're you're kind of like put on the spot and having to to come up with an answer and a lot of times it's wrong but sometimes it's right and root feels really good when it's right but even beyond that you also i feel like you work with a lot of um the other departments a lot more Mm -hmm. and um kind of are also just learning in that sense, you know, you're kind of like, Oh, I am learning a little bit about how the 3d artists work and a little bit of how the designers are working and, and it's kind of broadening your horizons in that sense as well. Um, so you, you start thinking about the whole game development process in a different way,
0: um, which is very, very useful for anyone in the indie game scene. So, How many hats have you worn at one time? What's the most? <laughs> programmer artist, programmer, network engineer. <laughs> what was the <laughs> um
2: what's the current record? Um, I mean I guess it would be on a project that I worked on by myself. So um, projects that, you know, I can't, I can do a little bit of art. Um, I used to do like a lot of drawing and stuff, but I haven't really kept up with the 3d side. I I taught myself 3d max for a while and was doing it, but it was essentially a full-time job just doing that. So I couldn't, couldn't keep doing it. So on the art side, it's usually pretty minimal, but um, pretty much everything else I do, you know, myself, like, like you say, like, whether it's backend networking, you know, the user interface, the gameplay uh, development, um, obviously design and all that. So, I, you know, any any game is essentially made of engineering, design, art, um, and then QA, I guess. Um, wow. Some some subsets of those, but. Um, you know, I've I've pretty much done all those on on, on several projects. Um, you know, uh, the one that I am super proud of that I've obviously shown you several times, um, which I won't divulge its name because uh, <laughs> I'm still getting the patent on it. Oh, okay, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I I, yeah. I did do a lot of three D art in that one to try and like push myself a little bit and try and get um, try and sharpen my teeth a little bit with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun because I, I tried to get into the animation a little bit. I tried to get into, and, and that actually taught me a lot of um, what I've used now in that section, which is like shader uh, programming and uh, graphic, just graphics improvements in general, which I hadn't really gotten into before. Mm-hmm. So really that whole skill set came from that project. And now I've brought it into this this new project, which I think has, has helped uh, this
0: project quite a bit. Oh, definitely, I, I value your uh, your additions, and I've worked with you directly on multiple parts of the game, so I know how good your skill set is. Especially given that you've worn already, I think three different hats at section. So, <laughs> my question for you is: Oh, no, no, go ahead, Brandon. I asked a question already. You can jump in.
1: Well, slaving through these companies. <laughs> I mean, we definitely don't have to go into. It. Too much. I mean, AAA can be breaking at a lot of times, but what was the final straw where you showed up one day? And is it a producer? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to project here, but it's definitely something that, like, all right, I need a break because a three year break is no little break. And uh, everyone takes it once in a while, and and especially engineers, like, they, they missed games the most. I think Mm -hmm. uh, outside of games, programming gets kind of repetitive, right? (laughs) Yeah. So
2: well, it depends. There are some interesting, you know, (laughs) like that. But yeah, most of what you're doing is database management or some crap like that. So, um, but but yeah, I mean, when I was at the AAA studio, it was it was not a traditional AAA studio, so they didn't really. I don't even like the producer, if there was one. I don't. Not even sure if there actually was, but he wasn't really that part of the team wasn't very visible mm-hmm. um but it was mostly just that um they they weren't really um including me in kind of like i mean so, so the projects we were working on were like triple a titles mm-hmm. so it, it wasn't like you know i was working for like sony and ea essentially and it wasn't like sony and ea were interested in my ideas so essentially i couldn't i just had no input
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I think that's that's what really it was like they were essentially saying do all this crazy work for hours and hours and hours and hours uh, and we don't really care what you think
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, there was actually i guess now that i think about it one thing that wasn't necessarily the thing that broke the back of the camel or anything but it was uh, definitely a moment that stands out in my mind is um i made this I was working on the UI for Wayne Gretzky, actually, uh, the hockey game, and I was, I was doing the UI and it was just arduous and annoying, and you know one night I was like, oh, this is boring, I want to do something else. So I talked to one of the other engineers and I was like, I just want to like make a little game real quick. And he's like, well, why don't you make an uh, air hockey game? And I was like, all right. So I made a little air hockey game and I put it kind of in the credit screen of the game that you'd like push this secret combo and it would all of a sudden turn into an air hockey game. Uh, you know, top down 2D mm. game where one stick would move the your little paddle around, the other stick you could flick it and it would like flick the paddle so you could play air hockey with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was super fun. And we had four v four <laughs> air oh, hockey. Damn. Um, and it was best really, ship with the game. Well, so I, I, was, <laughs> I finished it in like two nights, it was really pretty easy. And then I, I was playing it one of the nights, um, you know, it was like after hours, like everybody, most people were going home. And the, the lead on the project walked by and there was like three of us or so, four of us playing. And we were kind of like laughing and he walks by and he says, what are you doing? I was like, oh, well, this is just a little, like a little prototype I made. And he just says, you can't put that in there. You have to take it out right now. And I said, oh, I was, I was just doing this in my spare time. He said, oh no, no. You know, Sony's would be pissed if they saw that, you know, we were working on this instead of their game. And so he essentially deleted all my code and everything that I'd done and it oh, did not ship in the game. Oh, so, um yeah so that was a little bit of a bummer i should have just like hit it and not told anybody and then it would have shipped in the game but whatever I, you know i'm not i understand his reasoning but yeah it's it's kind of harsh when you when something like that happens
0: dude sony missed out man it sounds like they could have had a better air hockey <laughs> <height>. like <laughs> people would be buying old copies of Wayne Gretzky to get to that mini game
2: it was more fun than the actual game
1: <laughs> oh snap shots right. fired you heard it first <laughs> That's probably the lead why he's like, Oh my god, they're laughing? What is going on? That's not our game. <laughs> yeah. it's not fun. <laughs> Something's yeah,
0: up. Glenn and two nights showed up an entire team, so that was job security. There was somebody probably wouldn't have even cared. <laughs> <laughs> not to throw anyone under the bus.
1: So Well, I mean yeah. there there usually are two types that gets and goes through these type of industry, right? There's there's a type that um who who are just glad, right? They're they're in there and and uh, the project's interesting enough where you know they they're just like being part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's others like Glenn and many many guys who who are going indie and you know are doing other things on the side. It's it's just not fulfilling enough to not have that input. The input is everything, right? You dream of being a game developer as a kid so that you can eventually have ideas and implement it not to be just a yes man in some capacity and just show up to work and be handed work it's the worst feeling in the world where especially when you have a good enough of years of experience in the industry to be still told to just do this shut up um See, some people, it's fine. I mean, you show up and, you know, if you make like a your game and stuff, and, and that's enough. But for others, it, it does wear on you day after day. Especially if you think you can actually input some some good ideas that make the game better, but it's not being heard for, for some political reasons or something. And then yeah. that's when it gets tough. Yeah
2: yeah i mean what i have learned is that you know i've I've been on a couple other smaller teams and they've started to kind of give me a lot more of my input which is nice um but even then it would get to the point where i would like i would get a little too greedy and i would kind of say like no i think it needs to be like this and would, you know and it would usually be like someone kind of linked to the marketing side of things being like no we have to do this and i know it's not as fun but Blah, blah
0: blah blah we need to make money you know and that would piss me off like it would <laughs> really Glenn, according to this microsoft excel chart <laughs> the teens really love collecting so <laughs> madden 2018 needs to be about collecting not playing
2: yeah i mean it literally is like that's that's a sad but but the thing is is at some point you just have to kind of accept that that mm. i think it's, it's not like a sad thing i think you just have to understand like indie development cannot survive without money you need some sort of income so yeah. you have to find that that happy medium you know and i don't think you should sacrifice everything for that bottom line but what i learned is that my 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 emotion you know my passion my italianness was getting in the way <laughs> and was turning a lot of people off um and it got me into trouble a couple of times you know yeah. um, but uh, but even you know jimmy you know this the ceo at that section has he knows some people that i've worked with in the past uh, and you know he jimmy thinks the world of I me and like we we'd laugh about it sometimes but he goes like yeah you know i i know blah 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 and he says blah 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 about you and i'm like yeah well <laughs> you know, we all have our, our, our skeletons in the closet and yeah. he goes, yeah, i know i know but you know so you just have to realize like it's a small world <laughs> don't yeah. make enemies and uh You know, don't 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 like fight the fights that are worth fighting, I guess. Yeah,
0: I will say this, though. On a personal level, I can never get upset at somebody who's like coming from the standpoint of being passionate about the game. Right. Right. Like if they're fighting to put ideas into the game, like I'm cool with that. Right. Like it's like, okay, I know where he's coming from. It's a great idea, but we can't implement it. I just need him to understand that versus not passionate or you know what I mean? Like if you're fighting for the game and passionate for the game you won't ever be someone who's hard to work with for me personally.
2: You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, I'd like to believe to that. I think <laughs> maybe I, maybe I wasn't though. You know, that's the thing. Like I maybe oh, okay. getting to the point where I was like, i i just was sick and tired of people telling me that the you know the numbers didn't add up or whatever and i just kind of uh, i wasn't thinking you know for the betterment of the product in the end Mm. those games they didn't ship so (laughs) i guess we'll never know but um yeah i think you just you you know i also i have three kids now and it's like (laughs) at some point you you, your your sense of humility is just like i brandon i'm sure you're going to test this it's like I don't even, you know, I get punched in the face by my son and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like the, the, your sense of like saving yourself or whatever self-preservation it goes away and you're just like, whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. But
2: yeah. To hold on to that, that golden heart inside of you that has your passion.
1: You know? mm. I think, yeah, at this certain point as a developer, same thing as a parent, you, you kind of just want to reserve energy. So if you take a few punches here and there, but then, you know, you're saving up for your Magnus Opus or whatever, (laughs) it's worth it versus your younger self. So my first game that I shipped was Bioshock uh, 2, and then on that project, we had issues, of course, and I was really young. It was being my my first game. But, of course, I was very opinionated. It's like, oh, man, this is not fun. Therefore, if you do this, this would totally be fun. Like, (laughs) it's so obvious to me. And so, naturally, I would voice these concerns because I didn't know any better. Like, the political side, like, I had very little working experience before working Mm -hmm. in the industry. So, I didn't really know too much about how people react to certain things. And it wasn't even, like, the things I was saying, it was malice or... Or in a way where like this this whoever designed this shit was complete crap <laughs> Like it was more like oh you know if we try it this way like positive reinforcement I, I had enough sensibility to know how to like critique something and give input but it, it was just I was so low level that it was just not being heard and so I, at that point I had to learn the hard way that I had no opinion and so even to this day like Unless you're like paying the bills, <laughs> or really up there, like your opinions either get filtered out in some way, or uh, you know, part of the noise, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't, I don't really feel you get that type of control unless you're working on your own game with a friend.
0: Like <laughs> There's Beauty also Studios, the yeah. <laughs> There's also the third option is your opinion makes it into the game with someone else's name on it. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) That hasn't happened.
1: (laughs) But I know people, you know, have been through that too. So it is annoying. Like, who knows, right, behind closed doors that something you suggested is finally getting through. But um, it it is frustrating, right, getting to that point in realization. And it is, uh, you know, you learn over time. Like, I'll put if I want to make a change, I'll do it at home. Like I'm at that point. I'll, I'll voice it. I usually gauge the, the, the room, you know, you know, if the, for the first time, if I'm gathering with a new team, I will suggest something just to see. And by that point, I, I pretty much have like a, like a list of personalities of how people accept or rejects ideas and how they handle suggestions. Right. So I would throw one out there just to feel it out, and based on that, like, I just carry on the whole project <laughs> on that first interaction based on, you know, what what I analyze, analyze mm. from that. So it, it's a learning process, it's something definitely you don't learn in your schooling or in your kids' plan on your own, right? You're just learning techniques and having fun playing games and what would be good, But it isn't until you interact with other people where you realize, oh, okay, everyone's a little sensitive (laughs) (laughs) is the best Mm -hmm. way.
2: So I think that's another reason like to have your, you know, personal projects to, to go home and be like, all right, well, I'm just, you know, maybe it's not going to be as grand of a project that you're working on, but at least you kind of get your little idea out or just Mm -hmm. have your creative juices flowing, you know, in some capacity.
0: Uh, can you say that you've seen improvement in your skill first and then also answer the same question for your happiness? Uh, have you seen vast improvements in those two areas by continuously supporting the idea of doing personal projects or side work?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, as far as the skills, it's, it's definitely clear. Like, there's no no question about it. As far as happiness, there, I would say yes, with one caveat that I, I've never actually launched one of my personal projects, mm. and it's it's mostly, you know, my own kind of like neuroses that I just don't finish a project because I'm worried that if I finish it and, and you know show it to someone, they're gonna think it stinks. And I, I don't really think that because I usually show things to people and they say it's cool. Mm. I just kind of I feel like I'm, I'm I'm the kind of person that needs like, um, you know constant like any like a partner to be like oh don't worry like we'll do this together for me like to just put something out there i'm not the kind of person that will um be comfortable with that <laughs> uh you know you you were saying earlier like having you give someone your idea and then they put it into the game and it's on <laughs> their name and i was gonna say wait well, it's also scary sometimes to have your idea in there with your name and then oh. it's like a flop <laughs> idea like everyone hates it and it's like you're the worst <laughs> designer in the world you know yeah that's true and I, again, I don't really think that low of myself or anything. I think it's just the fact that I haven't ever launched any of my projects. Um, is it's, it's kind of getting over that hurdle. But yeah, I think in general, you know, working on these projects, I I learned so much and, I, and I'm and i kind of like excited by it so much. And I, I love the things that I make. And so, I mean, like it gives me infinite happiness, <laughs> especially when I show it to other people and they're like, well, it's cool. I'm like, oh, thank you.
1: Well, if it helps, Glenn, just pick your coolest game and I'll, I'll launch it for you, man. (laughs) With your name, I have no concern. Like nothing can hurt me, man. It's like, oh wow, it sucks. Well, it's there. (laughs) Next, there's no hurdle for him to get over. Is what he's saying. I guess you just gotta launch your babies out there and just see. There's nothing. No one's gonna take away your skills and your Mm -hmm. ability to keep making games. Like you just gotta put it out there. You might be one. You gotta. You might be one prototype away from being like filthy rich. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, I think i am actually uh, yeah. the, my, my other problem like i think i could launch something on my own but i think actually the bigger problem for me is that uh i'm too um fickle and i get so distracted by things mm-hmm. and so i'll be super into something you know i i make like a i made this prototype of a of like a a, a virtual reality dragon flight Ugh. and it was like physics of a dragon and like like every time the wings would flap it would like have upward thrust and you like really looked like you were flying on a dragon and it was really cool and I got into it for like I don't know a week and a half or something and then and I was like this is really great but and then I, I started thinking like wow I, I could like turn this into something but it would probably take me like you know nine months or a year or longer and I just said, you know what, and then I, I'll turn my head and I'll be like, I'm going to actually like make a little project about this or something else, you know? And so I just, I just kind of drop it for a while and, and do something else. So I think that is another reason why I kind of need like that partner yeah. like entity to be like, Hey, no, we're working on this. We're not going <laughs> to go work on something else.
1: Cause I just, I keep turning my head to look at something else. I think you need an art friend to art it up the- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and be like, Oh man, that looks pretty cool. Maybe I'll add this, that back and forth does help. like just you rest a bit and then someone take up the baton and and run with it and then give it back to you and Mm -hmm.
2: collaboration
1: is so important
2: i mean i i I worked on like you know smaller projects on my own obviously but i think the, the biggest like slap in the face to understand how important collaboration is is when i moved to Germany. Uh, my wife is German, and I moved out there to live with her for a couple of years, and I, I essentially felt like I was living on the moon, you know? I mean, at first, I couldn't speak any German, so I wouldn't even leave the apartment. I was too terrified to leave the apartment for weeks, and then I eventually left. I mean, I learned German and started talking to people and everything, but then I still didn't have anyone um, to work on my projects with or, like, even talk about them with, um... Mm-hmm and so i was so cut off and i just felt like i was like in this this loop of like oh my god i don't know what i'm doing and then as soon as i started working with another team it was an american team and that's the one that i came back and worked for in america um i just felt like this wave of like wow i have like ideas and they have ideas and we're collaborating and the things are moving forward and it's just it's just yeah it was so refreshing it was good
0: yeah <laughs> Let me ask you this, Glenn, because there's probably a lot of listeners right now who may not have all of your skill sets where you were able to do art, learn animation, and maybe they just do the one thing, like animation or just the engineering, right? What's your advice for them as far as seeking out doing their own personal projects as well? Should they just fix their craft and get better at the thing? Or do you think that because you just kind of branched off of saying collaboration is great that maybe they should find a couple other people who are in similar situations and just start making small things? Do you have a explicit opinion on what you think is the best way to go?
2: I think it definitely depends on your skill sets. I um, mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 the easiest for an engineer to do something on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, it will never maybe look as nice or it'll have, it'll have lots of rough edges, but at least engineers can, like, make a computer do things, you know? Mm-hmm. To, you know, some significant, you know, I mean, a lot of people are able to, to make a computer do things these days, but engineers can really get in and, like, you know, the nuts and bolts of it. Um, I think, you know, as far as if you were, if you were just like a, either a tech artist or an artist or a, a designer, you, you, you should find really one person. I think that like, you always want to start with the minimal, you know, and just, if you can find that person who's going to be your counterpart, so it's probably going to then be an engineer in those cases. Or if you're an engineer, you just find the one artist or, you know, if you can do some art, you find a, a game designer who can really go to town on the game design and, and really just, like I said, you know, find that person to, to kind of bounce your ideas off of and just keep mm-hmm. you going in that line. Because again, I think that has been one of the things drawing me back is I I don't bounce ideas. I don't I don't have a person to like uh, stick my projects onto, and so I just let them float away. Um, mm-hmm. So so yeah, you know, work on your own for sure. Just like experiment and have fun and 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 read a lot. You know, watch videos of all the cool new. You know, techniques people are using, or whatever. But in, in addition to that, you know, find people, especially if you're still in school, don't lose that opportunity. I totally squandered that opportunity. I mean, I met a lot of cool people in school. None of them were in the games, you know, none of them were engineers or developers or anything. They were all just like people that I met that were friends. So, so I feel like I squandered that opportunity to meet a lot of people in the industry. Um, so definitely just. You know, i always be on the look of being like, oh, that's someone I might be able to, like, sync up with later and, and try and, you know, make something
0: work. Well, I agree. School is a great opportunity to link up with a lot of people. You know, if you think about it, usually people are in school for their one discipline, right? Like when I went to art school, I knew I wanted to be a designer. Brandon knew he wanted to be an artist. Our friend V wanted to be an animator, right? Like that's almost a full game company right there, you know, and I think that mentality actually carried us forward through life because we made plans to work together in the future on projects, you know? So, yeah, I agree 100% on that one.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to dive back to... Uh, you mentioned you worked on Counter Spy. How, how big was that team when you jumped on that? Um,
2: well, I was, I think, either the third or the fourth person to jump on. Um, it was really two guys that kind of... Worked for about a year, year and a half, and they built like a prototype. It was really one guy who built it, uh, the engineer, um, but the uh, the designer also, you know, was was doing a lot and helping with him uh, to to put it all together. Um, but then they they kind of, I, I met them like six months before I joined, and they showed me their prototype, and I was like, "Well, oh, that's kind of cool," but I was doing something else. And then I came back six months later, and they were still. It was like, like I said, like three of them, and they said, "Oh, well, join us. We really need some, some, some effort." So I uh, joined them at that size, and then they rapidly grew because at, right at that point, right when I was joining them, Sony came in and, and essentially funded them. They were the publisher. Oh, well, 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 what timing! So, yeah. So so then the, the team started kind of inflating to. I mean, it never got more than probably I think thirty was the max, but when I it was wow. mostly around like twenty people. Um, and even then, like only probably like, you know, five engineers and like, three artists, and you know, I don't know there was a lot of kind of peripheral tasks that people were doing, not necessarily the the hardcore people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was it was definitely a small team. Um, but it, like I said, just because Sony was behind it, it kind of felt like a big project, and it was being pushed along like a big project. They were essentially like the producer role, you know. Mm-hmm was, was the Sony side of things. So they were just pushing the project like crazy, um, for better or worse. I mean, I think there was so much potential for that, that game. Um, when, when I got it in my hands, um, the, the gameplay essentially hasn't hadn't changed from when I got it to when it was launched, which was kind of like, I thought, well, we're going to do some cool things with this and like, you know, really expand on the game and make it really interesting. And essentially they just said, no, no, we're going to just polish this little mechanic up over and over and over again. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they did it, um, and they polished it to a degree that Sony thought was, was shippable, and it is. It was, You know, it, it's shiny. It's just uh, <laughs> I don't think it was deep, which I feel I feel like if the game had a little bit more depth, it could have been a much better game. Uh-huh. You know? like we were working on all sorts of like multiplayer modes and you know all kinds of cool stuff and they essentially said no 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 let's just get to the bare bones so um so yeah that's that's kind of another one of those you know marketing stories where they just bring the hammer down and said we got to make money on it let's ship it <laughs> so
1: well being like a third or fourth person of every company is impressive uh i mean it's less impressive when it's like a company of four people, but <laughs> but when it grows up to 30, right? I, I'm I don't know how much uh behind the scenes you, you saw, but um, how much insight do you have? And I'm not even sure like the first second guy had enough experience of growing a company, like, did you see a lot of that and pitfalls yeah. of that and, and everything? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the downfall
2: of the company. Well, the downfall was that Sony came, was man. funding. And, and then said, you know, the whole time we'll find you for a second one. And then as soon as it launched, they said, no, yeah. we're, we're not. And so that was the, the real downfall. But I think the downfall of kind of the cohesiveness cohesiveness of the company was, um, that they just didn't have, they, they had a guy that was like the, uh, business guy or whatever and he was just really nice and friendly guy and and he knew a lot about you know business management and stuff like that so he kind of did a lot of that stuff and, and and um you know he did a lot of like the hiring and stuff like that um but they didn't have kind of like a um a visionary i feel like every every real significant team has like a visionary that everyone kind of gets behind they're like the leader that everyone's like yes i don't care what i just want to work for this person yeah. uh, and and that was that team just didn't really have it like the the two main guys um the, the engineer he's a really good friend of mine and he's a really good engineer uh, he actually works at unity now uh he he just didn't want to be a leader he just didn't want to he wanted to just be an engineer he, he just kept kind of like metaphorically crawling into the, his cave and just engineering mm-hmm. and not really wanting to like inspire the team or do anything like that and then the designer all he wanted to do was go on uh you know GameSpot spot <laughs> interviews and stuff and and talk about the game that was his he was really good at that um he you know people loved him talking for some reason <laughs> um but he just didn't he didn't want to be part of our team he just kind of wanted to be the the face of the team right uh, so, and, and hopefully he'll never hear this, but, you <laughs> know, uh, I guess those are personality types you're just going to run into a lot. You know, I think um, a lot of studios I've at there's just been people who like don't want to be leaders. They just want to kind of do their thing. And then people who just want to be famous and don't really want to like lead other people. So um, you really need that person who's going to be like, you know, kind of in love with the team and like wanting to push the whole team to, to, to make a vision come to reality
1: yeah i mean that's a tough nut to crack like with big teens and small teens alike you're kind of just trying to find what makes a company successful and a lot of people especially when you start going into you just want to make the game fun first right and then when marketing comes in or when funding comes in that's when it gets complicated so people are like it's there's no rule book of how Mm -hmm. there's like a test where you take and based on your personality, you kind of just fall into these roles that are set to making a successful company. A lot of this unfortunately is unraveling while you're trying to make a good game. So based on the hours of the day and there's just not enough time to make things right. Especially if it's your first, first project, right? Uh, For Mm -hmm. the company. So yeah, having, that ass armor for the market, market Sony guys coming in and saying like, "All right, we got to ship this uh, bare bones and and making sure that it's polished to put it out there." Versus, you know, lacking leadership is like who who exactly if no one steps up, then that's always an issue, right? Just having a true vision. step it's just personal. like, I see everything. I know exactly how this game is going to unfold. I know how each department is going to behave to, to get things going. Like everyone's kind of finding their role. And if everything is happening simultaneously, it is, it's an interesting problem to have, uh, as in it's a learning process again, especially when you're doing this on your own. Um, But, yeah, like, I think very few companies are able to crack the code and be good first hits on their first projects with with everything, not just the game, but, like, a functioning company. Mm -hmm.
0: Definitely. So what I want to know, Glenn, is starting out as an engineer and working on your own games yourself, like programming every feature that you need for the specific thing that you're making, right? Right now when you think about working on a passion project or something on the side you have free engines that have so many features and things already in the engine from day one do you feel like it's very easy to suffer from engine feature creep where you're like hey i really only wanted to make a game that does x y and z but i should probably add physics and real-time rendering and, and you know what i mean like because these engines have these additional features that people may want to take advantage of do you find that engine feature creep is a thing
2: um i i think what i find mo- more is that the and you you um you start to make your games well if you, if you don't have like a good engineering like an engine team that can kind of enhance the engine mm-hmm. your game will look like a game made with that engine um mm-hmm. so you kind of you'll have like whatever unity physics or you know like the unity you know, everything it will just look like unity or it'll look like unreal or something and not always necessarily that that's a bad thing but um i do think uh, yeah rather than saying like oh i need to put this in because the engine supports it i think it's more i need to try and fix this because i don't want it to look like it's part of that en- part of that engine <laughs> mm, okay yeah
0: uh, I, I think that makes sense. Sometimes I'll be playing a game and you can see like, oh, this has the weight and timing of like Unity physics. So therefore you feel like already, regardless of seeing a logo from made by Unity or not, you're like, oh, this is a Unity game. Mm-hmm. Mm. I guess that would take me out of the experience. If I stop playing the game to say, oh, I bet they use this. You know, yeah. I, I've, I've just taken that even one step out of the immersion. So yeah, I guess that's a valid point. And also you could start to kind of like,
2: think that the engine is doing all the work for you and so you get a little lazy in your development uh, okay yeah um that's a good one yeah I, I had been doing that actually with 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 unity kind of kind of getting lazy and like oh you need you need to go take care of all this stuff for me but um what i learned is that it really doesn't <laughs> and especially <laughs> on counterspy i guess is when i really learned it because me and and, and, and our engineering team had to work directly with unity just to make it work on the ps3 because oh, really? it just wouldn't and you know there was lots of just they just didn't support the playstation 3 and so we just kind of fought with them and finally we got it working um but it made me realize wow they, they you know the unity team the engine team uh, are, are still struggling with these problems so i should probably understand how they work and be able to fix them on my side as well
0: Okay. Well, as a tinkerer, right now, do you have a, a favorite engine? Like, I know we said Unity a lot, so I'm assuming that Unity is probably your go-to engine. But yeah. is for that true? A tinker,
2: or? For a tinkerer, Unity is the go-to engine. Um, uh, not, you know, both both Unity and real are becoming comparable as far as um ease of of, uh, of like, like not adoption, but like just like a low barrier up. of entry. Yeah, they're both free, so you can just get them and just try. So that's uh, it's it's nice however um the differences arise um if you want to if you're like me and i like to make tools um a lot and making tools in unreal is a pain in the butt and you know you uh you just kind of—it's not as—it's not as nice and clean. as just whipping up a quick, you know, whatever that's going to—it's going to really enhance the game development pipeline for you or, or the people mm. you're working with. Um, and that has really been the shining reason that I've stuck with Unity is that I love how friendly the editor is. Now, obviously, the downside is that Unreal has the better render engine in the end. Um, on all platforms. So if you really want to make a game that you're like, I know this game is gonna take me a while, but I want it to look so freaking amazing, uh-huh. you should go with Unreal. It's gonna be a harder ramp up. You might even get burnt out and not be able to do it because it's such a hard ramp up. <laughs> but um, whereas with Unity, you can just jump right in and like you know get something going. But in the end, you're gonna start hitting a lot of roadblocks if you want to make it look you know triple A quality. Yes. Uh,
0: Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a pretty fair way to break it down so people know what they're going into. As far as engineering is concerned, right? Unity is relying on, uh, I think, a couple of languages you can use, like C Sharp in Unity. Uh, JavaScript as well, and Unreal is going more towards they kind of thought that their barrier of, of entry for engineering was actually lower, given that they went with a visual scripting kind of setup with Blueprint this time around. Uh, yeah. Do you have any opinion on those two things?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, so, so like the, the language in Unreal is C++, C++ so it's a low oh, C++, language. okay. So you can actually do more in it um, as far as like getting really low level in all the platforms. However, that could also be dangerous, but um, you have to really know what you're doing. And you also have to know C++, which uh, more and more engineers are just not. I mean, I learned C++ because I'm ancient, but a lot of engineers these days just aren't learning C++ anymore. They're learning JavaScript or C Sharp or something like that. Um, So as far as the blueprint stuff, that was kind of, yeah, their answer to say like, okay, well, you don't have to know C++ um, you know, if you're a designer or an artist, you can still just tinker with these this visual programming uh, and, and make something. And I think it's good. I've seen a little, I've seen some tutorials on it and kind of played with it a little bit. Um, it's From what I've seen, it's just pretty clunky and not as, as nice. I, I, I just, I hate visual programming in general, that idea. Mm-hmm. I'm just an engineer. So I'm always Got like, it. let me just type the line of code. I know what I want to do. I don't want to drag these arrows around and stuff, you know? Yeah. So... It- i'm biased but there's people um, out
1: here who don't know what the hell you're looking at (laughs) every time i look at your screen it's like how are you reading this crap (laughs) it's like if i accident well if i purposely just start jamming away on my keyboard it to me it looks equivalent to what you're typing on your screen. (laughs) there's no way i can figure out what you guys do all the time man I mean, the Matrix had a pretty good
2: representation of it. I mean, that that is kind of what I think what I think programming looks like to most people. Yeah. Um, you 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 just it's like any language though. You know, I mean, you know, any Asian language looks like that to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asian <laughs> people know exactly what it says. So, I think you just have to get to know it, and then you start to see it in a different light. Um, so
1: I refuse. I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> That's all well,
0: right. then, yeah, I guess. I guess that is a big saving grace for picking which one you want to roll with, right? Like if Brandon yourself saying as an artist, I think that blueprint probably would be the better suit for you. If you're like, look, I just want to look at this. I understand what it does. Plug it in and then see my ball roll down the screen. Right. Whereas someone else is like, look, I get all this visual stuff, but I would rather just tell the computer right here and then to take the ball and move it to the left by 20 units or whatever. I mean, Unity
2: does have some visual programming tools as well. Okay. Uh, so, so it's it's not that, like, there's only Blueprints in Unreal. But, um, and I do think actually, s- like, some of them are really popular, like Playmaker and stuff like that. So there are some cool um, stuff you can do with it. Uh, but again, yeah, it's for me, I just again if you even even in Unreal I think you'd run into this problem uh, if, you, if you're building your game really fast like that it's good you can prototype really fast but you're going to reach a point where all of a sudden your game just runs at two frames per second on whatever you know your PS4 or something you're like oh, why and it's like oh well you don't know why because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. all happening under the hood and all these blueprints you know mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. so yeah I just like to know exactly what is going on
1: yeah, more manual oh, That's controls. a good point. It's always going to beat. Yeah, man.
0: I uh, I think the worst time that I had in Blueprint was when I realized that it was single line executions and not like in the past, I could just say draw a line to here, to here, to here, to here. And then all this stuff would run. The first root Awakening for me was like, oh, oh wait, what? I have to know exactly the sequence that I want each thing to happen. And so, you know, it you can, you get used to it though. Don't get me wrong. Like I actually really like Blueprint now, but I definitely coming from Kismet, and also taking C++, before I started really digging into Blueprint, I still liked just regular scripting compared to visual scripting. I think that visual scripting, the control inside of, hey, whatever I want to do has to already exist, or I have to figure out how to get these blocks to trick themselves into doing what I want, th- that has always been the like hiccup for me, whereas with scripting, I can just say, this is a function I want to write, I want it to do these, and it does it. you know? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. You win some, you lose some, but each one I think has a, a valid reason for existing, depending on the person who's sitting down at the computer behind it. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
2: Well, I think like, visual programming is taking off, though. There are a lot of games that are starting to do it now. It's kind of interesting to see these games coming out.
1: Yeah, these guys are artists who can't program, that's why. <laughs> 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 well, but like going through the industry, right, um, and looking back at everything, uh, and you're kind of like formulating your uh, your idea of what you want to be as a developer, right? Kind of like balancing, you know your your opinions in the workplace, finding and harnessing that 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 motivation in your personal project. What can you say, looking back, has been your best contributing factors as in like, ah, okay, it didn't go out the way I wanted, but this, this, these are the lessons learned where I can carry forward and, and, and build towards this thing that I'm maybe still thinking about. Like, I don't know if you already have this grand plan of how you want to go about your developer years. Mm Mm-hmm. Or like uh, you know, just things that you're just been picking up along the way. You're like, all right, I'm I don't know what it is yet, but I'm, I'm beginning to see that image becoming clearer. Basically. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think you know, for the, for the for the year before I joined up at Section Studio, I was I was doing my own thing, and I like actually started my company and everything. Me and another guy, so. It was it was really me trying to say like okay now I just want to start my own indie studio, um, and I guess the big lesson was that it's really hard <laughs> to do that. Um, obviously, the reason that was really hard for us is that I, I was essentially the only developer. He was a business guy, mm, uh, cool. so anytime you have a team with one developer, it's just you know it's, that's like artist, engineer, designer, everything, just one guy. It's 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 a pain. Um, you know, I was able to 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 build some stuff, but beyond that, the the harder thing that I learned was just you have to do so much as far as like getting funding, getting marketing put together, getting um, you know just people interested in, in your project. And and I was taking, I was doing so many meetings with all these different groups, you know, some big, some small, um, and just just kind of I, I learned like how big getting a, a small little game out is um so you know that that project like i like i said it's not uh, it never really came to fruition it's not necessarily dead but um what i learned aside from actually like what i learned in not launching it was just that it is so difficult and that you have to really um you have to have focus and patience and and not think that it's just like oh i have this great idea i'm gonna whip it out real quick and, and launch it i mean you can obviously do that on like ios and whatnot and a little game out there and really that's actually really impressive um but the the problem is that most of those those products don't actually make those engineers or developers any money um they do make them some recognition and that's great and you know i i i I thank the world of them for for doing that but i'm at the point where like i can't do that (laughs) i I can't just like spend three months on my own personal project and launch it and it makes me like you know a (laughs) hundred dollars or something (laughs) Um, so I think that that was my biggest lesson was like, wow, you really need to, you have to put so much effort into making even a great game make any kind of money, but also just impact in general. Mm-hmm.
0: Is If it wasn't for the money, though, you know, uh, a lot of these games that are out there that are big wouldn't have the opportunity to do something different. You know, and I, I hate to say it like this, but like we did touch on this earlier and Brandon said it do need income. Right. Like unless you have the money to just like you have a full time job and you're doing it kind of like how some of us are, which we come home and we work a little bit, then we go back to work. Those games can come out. But when you're depending on your indie idea to be your thing, if it doesn't become successful, it's I mean, we probably won't see you make another game right after that. You know, like the income is relevant. So my big question to you, Glenn. Because everyone is making their indie game, everyone is throwing their game on the iTunes store and then crossing their fingers and hoping for luck. What can indie developers do or what can tinkerers do to try to increase their chances of seeing better revenues for their product?
2: It's all about the people. You just need okay. to, you need to, like, as soon as you, like, I, I think the people who do um, have more success than others are the ones that, like, start up a blog or whatever immediately as they're developing, start getting people interested, uh, drumming up tons of support, even like talking to some, you know, outlets, like whether it's, um, you know, GameSpot or smaller ones or something, but just visibility on your product, even just small things, all of a sudden they come out and you're like, oh yeah, I heard about that. Where did I hear about that? You know? It, it has such a huge impact in the end. So, you know, big and small products really need, it's all about drumming up uh, your fan base ahead of time, not just launching into the void.
0: Into the void. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely.
1: Good movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <Probably. laughs> but to comment on that, I, I completely agree with you. Like, if you're making on something and you're in this cave, and you expect overnight success, then there's so much wrong stacked against you where, you know, if you're counting on on this hit that will never be, then it can be very self-destructive, right? But if you can, as you say, when you're developing your project, you're getting feedback, right? And what better feedback to get is from the people who might buy the game. And you're kind of just... You know going back and forth with them and seeing what works and what doesn't work you'll know by month five or month six if your game is getting any any footing or or uh, traction with anybody right you'll know long before you ship the game that it, it'll suck or not <laughs> mm-hmm. or not even suck but if, if, if there's any interest right mm. So I think if your expectation is realistic too, it's, it's like you know people measure success different ways. Um, mm. But uh,
2: you can also meet, you can also find people that will either you know obviously just buy your game when it comes out or um, want to work with you. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's
1: also very valuable. Mm-hmm. So that's true. Put those personal projects out there. Glenn yeah. <laughs> Stop hiding yeah, I'm it. saying like I like I do this <laughs> I don't I don't know blog <laughs> <laughs> give it give it to me <laughs> and I'll publish it <laughs> we'll go 50 50 uh because I don't care <laughs> there's no name out there to be destroyed <laughs> it's like oh here's five more games for Brandon fam it's like here you go <laughs> It's a Tuesday. (laughs) This is my Tuesday. We laugh, but by
0: halfway through 2017, Brandon Fan might be publishing games. That's
1: that's how it works. I just put it out there. I really don't care. (laughs) Like, I want to get in debates. Like, hate wars. It's like, give it to (laughs) me. You know how much trash talking I do? (laughs) Like, I love trash talking. All right. I think
2: it's relatively easy to become a publisher these days, actually. Yeah. There's so many little
1: little
2: developers where essentially you just say, like, I will take your game that you've already made and, like, be the voice and, like, do all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. uh, as far as however much money you can put into it but just marketing it in general um and then you know you take some small percentage of it i think there's it's really easy to become that mm-hmm. that entity i mm-hmm. just never become that entity
0: yeah <laughs> i think game dev Unchained should explore that <laughs> <laughs> two episodes from now if you have an indie game submit it to us
1: we'll take half the credit no, i'm just kidding it started here yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put my name on it. <laughs> we'll walk around with a Sharpie at GDC. I'm publishing it right now. <laughs> walk right
0: up to their TV monitor as they're demoing it on like GameSpot. Brandon published Fan. by Brandon.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, how do you see this uh, indie scene going up? I mean, we kind of talked about this in the last episode, Larry and I, about the mobile space, but I'm interested. You, you've been personally in the indie scene longer than we have even through its ups and downs and like what how do you see this playing out i mean is mobile still relevant always- all this stuff steam still steaming ahead vr oh, and all this stuff yeah. oh yeah
2: vr no <laughs> no. Uh, no i i think you know to, to say like that the indie game you know scene would ever go away like that there's there's absolutely no way that that would ever happen. Like that's just that's the, it's the kind of thing where it's like now that it's here, it's just it's it's here. The people have the ability to make these things. Just like when the printing press came out, people were like, "Oh, how did you make this book?" And then all of a sudden, you know, a hundred years later, anyone can make a book. You just you just print it in your in your printer and, and staple it together. You know. Um, so I think the media is at a point now where. Um, people are going to be spitting out these small things more and more frequently, which that might be bad as far as the the industry goes. You're just going to get overrun by a ton of things, but I think it's going to be good in general just because people's creativity will be overflowing
1: um,
2: and we're going to get some really cool stuff out of it. Um, As far as like VR, I guess, just since you mentioned it, I mean, I have always kind of been a VR hater. Um, This guy. I'm a VR dev. I mean, <laughs> I, I have VR dev kits and I've made prototypes for a lot of people and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in that industry. I just, I, I can't, I guess that's why I don't like it <laughs> because um, I, I, it's, so, it's so painful for me to develop for it, to really? <laughs> have to uh, essentially strap in every time I'm getting into this thing. Whereas games are becoming more and more casual. Mm-hmm. Um, even just like console games, you just like crash on the couch with your bluetooth uh controller, you know, and like and your bluetooth headsets it's like you you're, you're you're kind of like totally detached. You can just walk around the room if you really want to, where it's like all of a sudden they're saying, oh, now you have to actually have this giant thing on your head and like, don't move too fast. or so you could kill someone, you know, I feel like that's going in the other direction. Um, so it's, there's, there's a market for it. Obviously it's really fun and cool. And it's just, it's not as widely adoptable as the casual um, direction. So yeah, that's, that's my VR hate speech, <laughs> but yeah, um, no, I think there's some cool VR stuff coming out.
1: Yeah. I'm All sure. by Brandon Fail. <laughs> 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 Let me sign it, guys, before you end it out. Yeah, Oakley's probably just one sunglasses away from making it cool and, and wearable. <laughs> yeah. We gotta invite you back. Like Larry and I have been talking about like putting like a debate <laughs> a VR debate. Because you are one of those haters out there that I call out <laughs> that yeah, we should talk I'm, about but i'm, I'm, sure I'm curious I'm yeah hat. I'm sure i'm gonna eat
2: my hat <laughs> one day but uh you know and,
0: <laughs> you go be that
1: old yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i guess that's what you're betting on is you're not gonna eat your hat tomorrow you're gonna eat exactly. it like 40 years from now yeah, 40 (laughs) years is fine my kids might be vr (laughs) one day i see that i see your kids at your age for sure it won't be a discussion of vr versus indie versus it'll just be i make games and vr is just one of the platforms that's just known there won't be the separation of this like different platform i don't even think platform will even be an idea by the time your kids are developing games it'll just be get my game and you won't have to say anything more than that
1: in your head, it's just like yeah. it's just right on your retinas. Just yeah. it's gonna be Samsung contact lens at once. Seriously, Black the meat. Apple Eye balls. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, Glenn, I
0: I told you this was coming before we started recording. We are one hour into the podcast. That means Brand and I are gonna take a step back and go refill our coffee mugs, and we're gonna give you the microphone all to yourself until we fill up our mug, and the floor is yours. <laughs> Yeah,
2: I mean, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I don't really have any projects that that I can can pitch for myself. But I would say, just in general, uh, you know, look around for for uh, for indie games. Go to go to like, there's an indie game um, uh, competition every year that that they have, and there's lots of cool games that are very unpolished but have really cool mechanics that you can just play around with, and a lot of them you can just join and become a. a uh judge and and get the games and, and you know give me your reviews and all that um but uh, some of my other, some of my friends obviously have games that they've launched. Uh, you can check out Ante Chess on iOS by Naveen Nair. He actually right. t- didn't didn't put his name on that game, uh, but I just I just outed him <laughs> <laughs> that he made that game. Uh, you can check out that game. Um, yeah, just you know, I guess the only thing I would be pitching is like don't don't always buy the AAA titles. Kind of look around and uh, m- go through the muck and find some some fun little things that people have been putting together.
0: Yeah, you can buy one $60 game that you'll play for five hours or you can buy 200 games for less than $60 that you'll play for five years. There you go. Accumulatively. Like, <laughs> anyway, um, Glenn, I want to thank you very much for being a part of this podcast. Brandon, I want to thank you very much for hosting and being awesome. But I got the mic and I'm the only one talking right now. It's Larry Charles. Good night.
1: This is Brandon Fab. Thank you for joining us this week. See you guys next week.
0: Thanks, guys. All right. Dang, we couldn't get Gwen. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.